Hey, Dad. Hey, Joel. Hey, so uh, I had a weird experience over the last eight weeks, and uh, I haven't exactly been sure how to, I was going to write about it, but then I haven't exactly been sure how to get it in my 400 word. Uh, my blog <laughs> Limited, is usually huh? 400 words. But a lot of people have been asking, um, about eight weeks ago, I went in for a skin appointment, just my standard annual skin appointment, and uh, I could tell immediately something was wrong. The doctor made a face, and he's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to remove this little spot over here. And I'm like, is there something wrong? He's like, no, it just looks different than the rest of them. And I was like, yeah, something ain't right. So uh, he removed it. And a week later, um, he called back and he said, hey, you've got melanoma. It's actually pretty uh, advanced stage. Um, And he referred me to a surgeon, but then I sent the results to a couple other doctors and they're like, that's not going to cut it what he was going to do. You need to do a deeper surgery. There might be follow-up with chemo there i mean it was a like pretty intense so was stage three out of yeah, four stages yeah right? something yeah. like that so um I, of course i freaked out you know yeah, sure. this, i've always been i've always dreaded hearing the c word and you always think that's for other people but uh it was sometimes it comes home doesn't yeah it? sometimes it does come home so um got this melanoma they say it could go deeper if it's in the lymph nodes you know they tell you all the doc i've learned doctors aren't exactly hope dealers um <laughs> they are going to tell you the worst possible scenario and it's usually better than what they say yeah. um but i've been talking to a friend of mine i'm helping him write a book about special needs stuff and um he was saying yeah man right at the start they'll tell you he'll never walk talk eat on his own blah, blah. and he's like it's usually not that bad so i that, i kind of kept that in mind as they're telling me this well we got the surgery the doctor the surgeon we decided to go with he didn't like the biopsy we got. So he's like, we need to go deeper. So he got a deeper biopsy. Wait, you know, then he scheduled me for surgery. He's like, we got to get this done ASAP. So he scheduled me for surgery. I went in for surgery, which was freaky. They were going to cut it out of the side of my back. Um, and I'm on the operating table, basically naked, because you've got that goofy cloth over you that's it's freezing in there. A little robe. Yeah. Robette. Yes. <laughs> They've got me all hooked up for the IV. And the surgeon walks in and he's like, all right, you ready for this? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, just so you know, we didn't find any residual signs of melanoma in the biopsy. I was like, well, that, what? I was like, so you, you could not find any in that better, bigger biopsy? You did? Nope, nope. And uh, I was like, that's amazing. He goes, well, it is the best possible scenario. And yeah. I was like, the best possible scenario. Okay. And I'm like, so am I healed? He's like, nope, I wouldn't say that. I'm like, what? He's like, we just can't find any. I'm like, uh-huh. what? So, so we went ahead with this surgery they cut me open, you know, knocked me out, the full deal. And um, I went back. While we were there, he, they, they saw another spot that they were that was concerning. So he's like, I'm, you're going to have to come back. We're going to have to get that removed. So we went in, did the surgery, went back for a follow-up. They removed the other spot. Um, and then he calls me the other day, and he says, we didn't find any melanoma in anything we removed or in the other biopsy. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, so I'm clear. He's like, I wouldn't say clear. <laughs> so worst possible scenario. <laughs> this has been a weird situation yeah. for me because, uh, somebody's like, wow, you were healed of cancer. And I'm like that. I, I truly believe I was healed of cancer, uh, but I too. still got cut. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's a weird story. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, you need to tell that testimony. I'm like, it's a very uncomfortable testimony for me because I'm like, was it a lack of faith that I went ahead and went through with the surgery or was that wisdom? And it's like, it's like a lot of things that God has done in my life. I wish he would make it a little, he leaves it open for interpretation for me. Like, like the scripture. 
Well, maybe. It's kind of open to interpretation because we don't really know. I guess. I mean, but it's it's a weird thing for me. I feel uncomfortable talking about it because like for my, all the people that are praying for my healing, I did get healed, but I still yeah. got a surgery. And so it's like, it's just not as clean as I want it well, to be. Well, I am glad you brought that up because it's good for us to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and here's and, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear your thoughts, but I also want to talk about something, so don't let me forget. Okay. It was fascinating to watch people's response to my oh, yeah. issue. And I thought, I, 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 I kind of, like Job, I repented in dust and ashes about how I respond to other people's sickness. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have learned what people go through with this stuff yeah. any other way. And in that way, I'm, I'm grateful for what happened. But let me hear your thoughts on that, well, about, my, sure. about my uh, perfect healing that, that got me cut. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think you have to keep in mind, why was it, oh, this is the best case scenario. Oh, I wouldn't say you're healed. Oh, I wouldn't. I would just say we couldn't find any. They got to cover themselves. Right. And that's why they're always going to come out with the worst case scenario, which, I mean, on the one hand, that way you can go away going, oh, good, it wasn't that bad. But on the other hand, come on, hope has healing power too. So you'd mm-hmm. think they'd dish out a little more hope. But there are lawsuits involved, and there are lawyers involved, and there is medical malpractice involved. And there's so, the and there's the outliers where they yeah. thought they got everything, and then they come back and they're like, "Oh no!" And the, you told me I was healed. Yeah. I, well, so I think you know. I, I don't. I think that's. I mean, I, I I don't think I'm being cynical here. I I don't think in the past doctors were quite as negative. But now mm. they almost have to be. Mm. I mean, you know, it's like you have an accident. They say, don't tell them it was your fault, even though you ran in the back of a parked car. You know, <laughs> uh, don't don't take anything because, you know, you never know when it goes to court. So I, I think they just kind of almost have to be a little more negative rather than, come on, we're going to get through this. We're going to mm. encourage you. I think in, in the old days, they used to be a little, I mean, old days. I'm talking about even when I was younger. They weren't quite as negative. Well, and it was also very more, a lot more relational. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm, look, I'm not dogging on doctors. I'm grateful. And, no, no, and I'm honestly, not either. I'd rather a paranoid doctor, yeah, <laughs> than an overly optimistic doctor. Well, and that's where I say I think the cutting thing was you could have said no, but he kind of had to cover himself too. I yeah. mean, he's got you all prepped here, and for him, it's no big deal. To, well, let's just go ahead and cut away. We'll yeah. make sure, and you know, and I mean, he's saying we couldn't find anything. So what? Where are you cutting then? You know, but again, um, well, and then first of all, too, is, okay, I did do the surgery. Let's turn it into medic, you know, turn it into the insurance. Company. Oh, yeah. And it was no small amount of money. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, I, again, I'm, I don't, I hope I'm not sounding cynical on that because no. I, I appreciate maybe it was out of overcaution or not overcaution, but, you know, an abundance of caution yeah. that he was doing this. So let's assume that, you know, because he, he, he helped. I mean, he's a great guy. He really is. Yeah. And yeah, so this is, the, the point isn't to knock on the doctor, but the, no. the the issue is like, this is a weird situation for me because I've heard other stories. So like there was another story that somebody shared with me while I was going through this. And he said, listen, I want to tell you this story of something that happened. Somebody came to our church and uh, they were going to MD Anderson. It was like, they gave him like a month to live. They said, we're going to do this last ditch experimental treatment on you. He went to this church, uh, it was actually Lakewood, love the amazing healings that come out of Lakewood, Pastor Joel Osteen, Dr. Paul there. Um, and he went there and they prayed for him right before his major surgery, right? This is the last ditch effort, last ditch treatment. It was in his kidney, colon, lungs, like Mm -hmm. anywhere you could imagine it. This, this cancer was, Yeah. he went in the next day and the doctors like did the the last MRI to see what they need to do the surgery or whatever it was. They're like, we don't know what happened. This is unexplainable. We cannot find anything anywhere in your body that is out of order. And 
just miraculous healing. I mean, that's like well, mind blowing. It was the best case scenario. That truly was the best case scenario. <laughs> but that's what I'm like. I, w- I want a story like that. Yeah. Like, right well, a- it could have been. You could have said, no, we're not going to cut on me. God healed me. Yeah. Bless but then God, there's also hallelujah. wisdom, and you hear people. So another friend of mine's like, you know, God's going to heal me. And he died. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a tricky thing. And I wish, you know, what there's an ancient saying it says in filth it will be found and i'm like um <laughs> you don't like that i'm not quite sure but what that one means I, I just what i think it means is sometimes god's best work is really messy it's yeah. not cut and dried like we like it and i know for me this was a, an experience of god's work in my life and yeah. and uh, this is where it's been awkward too because i've told people when i was going through it i'm like i really believe god is allowed this into my life you know semantics did he allow it into my life did he send it i don't think he sent it but i definitely think he allowed it into my yeah. life and man i got rebuked by people who love me and said you don't say that about god that he would allow anything related to death sickness into your life and i go then what do you do with the book of job because the book of job by all i mean if you read yeah. it for what it says it was literally a cosmic wager where J- satan whatever the enemy comes and says, look at your boy, Job. He only serves you because you're good to him. He's like, God's like, I don't think that's the case. So he literally puts yeah. Job and Job, God actually is like, I thought that was the case, but I just wanted to see. It's like, that makes me very uncomfortable. And the really uncomfortable thing about it is that's probably the oldest book in the Bible. So this has been a question people have been wrestling with yeah. for centuries, millennia. And when I look now at what I, what I got from this, I think first the gift that God gave me through this is a compassion that I've never had for people. Oh yeah. And when people come up and pray for me, man, or when, when people come and ask to be prayed for, um, I'll be honest, there was always kind of a thing in the back of my mind going, what did they not take care of in their health for this to happen yeah. to them? And this jolted me because I am a very healthy dude. I mean, I, I only, yeah. I'm, I do intermittent fasting every day. I only eat between noon and six. I exercise. I don't eat sugar. And this hit me. Right. Yeah. And, it was a jolting thing to me to realize how much I've blamed the victims in the past. Yeah. Well, it's easy to do that when, uh, yeah, I know when you're young and when you're invincible and you're going to live forever. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You think you are anyway. And all of a sudden, man, when something happens in your body that you can't control, it's like somebody said, my body's rebelling against me. Yeah. Emily said like that. It's my enemy. Yeah. Emily said that one yeah. time about her health issues. She's like, my body turned on me and that's not yeah. your own. The only thing you've got to face this world in like turned on you. Yeah. Like, that that's one of the things that I think stood out to me is that is that uh, the other thing is it's this weird thing. As soon as he told me this, I don't know how to describe it. And I still haven't been able to figure out how to describe it. But I felt separated from my body, like, and I felt separated from people. And like, I look at people now, and I'm like, oh, that's a healthy person. They've never had anything like that. Now we don't know, right? right? I yeah. don't know what they're going through. But it's like it, you almost feel like an outcast. And this came to life for me the other day when uh, I was telling this story at church and a lady came up afterwards and asked me, she's like, I've, I've never heard anybody talk about their thing like you've talked about it. And she's like, I have non-Hodgkin's um, lymphoma. And she's like, the way that people have talked to me, I feel like I deserve this. And it's wow. God doesn't owe me healing. She broke down crying. And I'm like, Jeez. That's the, I don't know who told you that, but they're wrong. And I was like, have you ever read the book of Job? And she's like, I heard you mention that. And I was like, you need to read the book of Job because you, he's got these friends. And I honestly <laughs> believe they're well-meaning. Yeah. But they've got all the explanations. And what was fascinating to me is how mu- many people were concerned about my conclusions. And, and this is the thing. I've been hanging out with God for 40 
years. I'm 44 years old. I accepted him when I was four. This ain't my first rodeo seeing this stuff. But people were really afraid I was going to just like throw God out the window. And I'm like, where do you think I am in my walk with God? And I think it's a, I think it's horrible to rob somebody of an opportunity to wrestle with God. And a lot of people just want to shut down your questioning, like, yeah. what's going on? What is God trying to show me? Or frustration with God. Yeah, and they want know? to defend God. And I'm like, God can defend yeah. himself, man. Like, you don't need to defend God. But so many people, but I've, what, what I've concluded is, is this. I don't think they're worried about defending God. I think they're worried about defending their own ideas about God. That could be. And that's why it becomes so personal. And they become so violent with me, even with me telling me my mindset is wrong. This is my lack of faith. And I'm like, yeah. it's fascinating. I really well, think what it, it does, got... it upsets their... Yeah. Well, they haven't been there. Mm-hmm. And once they get there, once they walk through that valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden they may have a different perspective on it. But when you're standing up on the mountaintop looking down in the valley and you got the sun shining on your back and everything, then it's easy to have all the answers. But all of a sudden, when you're the one walking through it, it's a whole other world. And it's not bad. It's it's not bad. I mean, it's yeah. there are only there are things you can only learn in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, when you're actually facing death and not sure what's going to happen here. Right. And and I wasn't even facing it as much as some people faced no, no. it. There was a very good chance I was going to get conquer this. You know, even through yeah. medical or through. Although I, they could have come back too and said, "Hey, it's spread into all your." Which body. was my concern. Yeah, I mean, he talked about that. He's like, yeah. if it, you know, if it goes in the lymph nodes, everything changes, right? Yeah. So. But it's just a fascinating, I have learned so much about, first of all, Job's friends have taken on a new meaning for me. <laughs> um, and I've realized I've been Job's friends. Yeah. And, Probably all of us have. Yeah. And one of the most encouraging things I got was from my friend Kelly. And Kelly has struggled with health stuff her whole life. And mm-hmm. she's just, I mean, she's a warrior, right? Mm-hmm. But she wrote me the most, like she just, she, I'm tearing up just thinking about the email she wrote me. It was the most insightful thing I've ever read in my life. Of course, she's an eloquent writer anyway. Yeah. Well, she's been down in the valley. She's too, been beat to pieces, yeah. but she wrote things. And I'm, I'm like, this is somebody who gets it. I want to listen to her. And I think, man, if that's what came from this, that God has given me a little bit more depth and a little bit more compassion, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I don't ever want to do it again. Like, <laughs> but I believe that I really do believe that I'm healed of it, and it's yeah. never going to come back. I'm going to be careful, right? Sure. But um, I, I, it's just been a, it's been an interesting thing, and it's one of those things that's like we rejoice in our suffering, for we know that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Romans five. I'm like that. When you get to the other side of it, if you can keep the right perspective in your suffering, I get it. Now, every time suffering shows up, you got to remind yourself, I need to rejoice in this. There's something yeah. good in this. Uh, because. But as I'm on the other side of this, I believe, I really do believe I'm on the other side of this, but there was something I needed to learn. And what's fascinating, this really is fascinating. Of course, what really jolted me about this is I felt like on my birthday this year, uh, something said, this is the last year of your life. So when this showed up, I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. And I haven't made it through the year yet, so it may still be, <laughs> but I don't know. I believe anyways. But what's interesting is in the new book that I've got coming out in March, um, I had to read it one last time, like while I was recovering from the surgery for nothing, uh-huh. <laughs> the yeah. preventative surgery, right? Yeah. And I read through it again. And normally when I write a book, uh, the last read through, I'm like, why would anyone want to read this? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I know it's ready because I'm sick of reading it. <laughs> This one, 
it took on a whole new life for me because the book is about the idea that in every season of life, there's this this pattern to God's work. There's um, a turning point. Uh, it's you know you see this in the heroes. Uh, uh, somebody shows up, something shows up in their life that forces them to change. Yeah. There's a turning point, um, and then there's the courage that's required. The guide shows up and, and teaches them a new way or some some way of navigating the unknown. Eventually, they have to completely commit to the decision, and then they face a series of challenges. And then they face a dark cave. And then they, they come out of there with a resolution. They've got a new perspective and then they've got a message. And what's fascinating about this is I'm looking at my own life. And this year, uh, the, the, the turning point started two years ago when we took on this retreat center. And uh, once I actually realized the enormity of what I'd taken on, I was like, what in the world? What is I thinking? This was, was it hubris or was it like vision? It was or a combination of stupidity and hubris and vision. I don't know what it was. But I got into this and I found out I was way over my head. Um, I sought a lot of counsel, the guide. I knew, but I felt like God was showing me. So it took some courage, took the guide. And then there was at some point we had to go all in. And that was when we moved out here this summer. And moving out here was really hard, moving out to the retreat center because I walk out the door every day and I see 10,000 things that need to be done. And this summer was brutal. Like it was part of the reason I think I got this melanoma. It was so hot. I was working outside with my shirt off and I think the sun, you know, burned me in the wrong way or whatever. And then in, in this in this journey that I talk about in this book, this pattern of work in every in our life, at the end of a really talent challenging time, which this summer nearly killed me on multiple fronts. That was before I even knew I had melanoma. And then there's this dark cave usually after a series of challenges. And I think that melanoma was that dark cave. But it's it's only after you go through that dark cave of wrestling with God and kind of Jacob moment wrestling with God or whatever the moment is, Paul being knocked to the knee to his blinded and why are you persecuting me, Paul? Or Jesus in his darkest moment where, Father, why have you forsaken me? Um, then you emerge with this message and there's a power that comes with it on the other side of it. And it's it's wild because I've just literally watched myself walk through as I've been writing the book over the last two years, which was actually about a different season of life that I was like, what the heck is happening? But I saw this pattern and I was like, that was my dark cave. And I it's I, I almost knew it was coming. And people are like, you shouldn't have said that. That's what caused it. I'm like, I don't yeah. know if it's that simple. But I think there's a pattern that after a series of challenging times, there's a decisive moment. And sometimes maybe the cancer doesn't go away, right? Or maybe the, the struggle doesn't really go away, but your mindset shifts and right. that's the victory. Maybe it's the surrender to God's will in your life. It's the Jacob realizing, I'm not gonna win here. God breaks his hip and he walks with a limp the rest of his life, or in my case, a scar on the side of my my side. But it's wild because it was almost like it was a gift to God saying, hey, that book you just finished writing, um, it's called Connecting the Dots, interesting enough. I'm going to connect the dots for you and I'm going to show it again for you. So it didn't just happen once, but I think it's a definitive pattern of how God works in our lives. And unfortunately, right at the center of it all is some sort of suffering recognition that you're not in control uh, and it's yeah. it's been a anyways it's it's been really kind of cool to see so I'll get a little other interpretation on that last year of your life i think that's the best thing that could happen to you because um it it probably doesn't mean your physical life but it you know satan and god have the same goal satan wants to kill you god wants to kill you mm-hmm. um <laughs> and he wants to put a death to ourself. And, you know, I realized a number of years ago, you know, they have so many people, you run into these people, oh, man, I had this heart attack. I'm about to die. And ever since then, I've looked at life different. I've realized yeah. this is the, And I thought, why the heck wait till you have a heart attack? So I've tried to imagine in my own life, okay, what would change if that really happened to me? Mm. And then live that way. 
and kind of in a similar way here, you know, the greatest thing that can happen to you is if you if you just die to self and begin to live to Him, because yeah. you know that's God's plan is not to make our life better. Our His plan is for our life to end and for Him to live His life through us. Mm-hmm. Big difference mm-hmm. than make my life better. And so, if this has caused you to begin to come to the end of yourself and realize, oh my gosh, there's, you know, I'm going to let Him live His life through me, then that's the best thing that can happen. I mean, why wait for a heart attack? That's the best thing to do is that you come to the end of your life. Yeah. And then let him live his life through you. And that's, you know, that sounds all philosophical and all ethereal and, I don't know, spacey, but it really isn't, as you're saying. And maybe you can't go through that until you've experienced it. Because like Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about what happened to us in Asia. We were at the end of ourselves. We thought we were going to die. And he said, but that was so we could learn to depend upon the Lord. And I'm thinking if the Apostle Paul had to learn that through experience— yeah. With all the teaching that he'd gotten from Jesus, we think personally, and all the revelation he'd had, if he had to learn that by experience, what's to make us think we can read it and actually absorb it and it become part of our lives? So sometimes we do have to go through those things in order for us to really move on. And not move on, move in to who God really wants us to be. Yeah. Well, I can definitively say that I'm looking at life through a whole other lens. And so in that way, I mean... As odd, I never thought I would say that, but I'm I'm actually grateful for the journey I went through with cancer. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review on your listening platform of your choice. For more from Joelle Malm, check out joelmalm.com. And more from Rick, check out rickmalm.com.